right, we're rolling. This is Andrew Robson, uh, host of the Bonsai Wire podcast, and I'm sitting here at New England Bonsai Gardens with John Romano. John, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Andrew. It's great that you were able to visit us out east and uh, do some workshops and demonstrations, and it was fun to see you again. Yeah, yeah, it's been a long time. I, I For those who don't know, I, I went to school out here in New England, and uh, I was in a study group with John, and John Romano, John Kirby, a uh, bunch of f- fun folks out here with, with Boone uh, before my apprenticeship, so I had a lot of good memories coming out here, so it's, it's great to be back. Uh, John, you're a Shoheen specialist, um, and I know you have quite the background with Shoheen. You studied a little bit with Urshibata Sr. at the Taisho. Uh, what, what's your yep. background with Shoheen, and how how'd you get started? So, uh, probably in the mid-90s, um, when Supin had started his nursery in Massachusetts, um, I started going up to visit him a lot, and uh, I consider him probably the pinnacle of, of Shoheen artistry. And I was just enamored of small trees at that point. So I would have to say my initial inspiration was with Suten. Um, and he's still producing a world-class Shoheen bonsai. That was your first kind of time seeing high-quality small trees? Yeah, other than in books. But even back in the 90s when I was, you know, kind of... I would call it my teenage years in bonsai because I started somewhere in the 80s. Um, I didn't, you know, have a lot of books with high-quality shohin. So that was my first, like, in-person um, introduction to yeah. shohin bonsai. Yeah, fun. Uh, Suthin still does really amazing work. He, he still travels and does a lot. I know he works on big trees, too, but he yeah. goes to a lot of shohin conventions and whatnot, too. So you, you saw shohin then. What, what sparked... The, the curiosity to go further and kind of well then it, it was just um you know trial and error um a lot of errors <laughs> shoheen as you know are very challenging um you know and working full-time at another job you have to deal with watering situations uh shade um the correct soil so i would say it was a few years of just learning the nuances of growing shoheen bonsai. Um, and I would just take classes. I started um, going to New England bonsai after suit then. And uh, I like black pine, so I took classes there. I was uh, friendly with Nick Lenz um, and learned a, a bit about larch. Um, and those are probably my two favorite species um, for shoheen, black pine and larch. Yeah, fun. Did Nick have any shoheen? I, I know he had a lot of significant larger he trees. He had mostly larger trees, but um, he did have some little azaleas and little elms. Okay. Um, it wasn't his specialty, but yeah, he would play around with the with the small guys too. Uh, yeah, he was such a, a iconoclast uh, and creative guy. And we just passed away. If you don't, if your listeners don't know, yeah. uh, which was a sad occasion. But we're going to have a little memorial get together next weekend, um, which yeah, that'll be, be, that'll nice. be great. Yeah. Um, so, you, you, did you start working with Nick before you, um, before you delved deep into Shoheen or when? Um, yeah, I met Nick probably around the time that I uh, was going up to suit then, so mid '90s, maybe early '90s. Um, I would visit him a few times a year. 
and uh, and then we we corresponded for years after that. And he became more of a friend than than a bonsai uh, teacher to me, um, just because we we kind of clicked off on a, on a few levels. But um, yeah, I worked with him occasionally. Yeah. Okay. So you see you see high level shohin at Suthens. Yeah. There's not a lot of good books or material out there no. on shohin. So where <laughs> where do you go next to? Well, uh, you know, in the early 2000s, I visited uh, Japan with Bill Alvanis of uh, 2001, 2003. Um, and there I met uh, Tomohiro Masumi, uh, Tomo, and um, I interviewed him for an article. I believe it was International Bonsai. It could have been Bonsai Today. I'm not sure. But I did an article on Tomo. And we corresponded a few times by email uh but and again his nursery is is unbelievable i don't know him is he a shohin specialist oh tomohiro masumi yeah okay yeah very very um um high level shohin person in japan and he's the president of the all japan shohin association right now um and then i also went to um the Fukanos, do you know their nursery? No, no. Um, they're a third generation Shohin nursery over a hundred wow. years. Um, and I met uh, the son, the two sons and the father. Yeah. And they are also very, very high level um, Shohin. And that, that just like blew me away. To see the quality in Japan of Shohin bonsai is unbelievable. <laughs> it's just crazy. Yeah. You said third generation Shohin? Yeah. His, so right and, now... So they were, they were doing it before it was cool, right? Because it's yeah. only been vastly exactly. popular recently, right? Exactly. So when I wrote an article about 12 years ago, uh, I do the column on Shohin bonsai for Bill's International Bonsai Magazine called um, A Little Magic with Shohin. Bonsai, and I did a, a, an article on the history of Shohin Bonsai, and um, contacted um, uh, Mr. Fukano's son to get some information. And I found um, he told me a few things that were quite interesting. One of which, you know, I asked him about the history of it. When did it become popular? And he said it was around the turn of the century, uh, you know, uh, 1900, and that um, they have that. A uh, uh, girls' festival in the, in this winter. I forget what it's called now. Um, but anyways, they have they put little dolls in displays, and all the girls decorate the dolls. Yeah. And they were at that time starting to put little bonsai oh, growing, cool. and and he said that was kind of one of the um, yearly festivals that encouraged people to grow little trees to go along with their little dolls. Yeah. So. Um, that was kind of a nice tidbit for the article that I did on, on Shohin Bonsai. And, and of course, um, the Count Matsudaira, he, he made it very popular in Japan and, uh, and then further. So that article's still out there. I should probably re- republish it. I don't, I don't know about the Count. What's, what's the story there? So the Count Matsudaira and his wife um, uh, were both into Shohin, Mame Bonsai. Okay. And being wealthy, being a count, he um, was able to acquire very good trees, but also he collected stands, pots, uh, miniature scrolls, and because of his popularity, people kind of became enamored of Shohin Bonsai. He, I think he was the first president or, or in charge of the first Kokufu Ten 
there are pictures you'll see of him at the very first Kokufuten. Oh, wow. And he had um, a Shohin display at that um, event. Um, so he's very pivotal. And there's also a famous book of his on Shohin Bonsai that's still around. You can still get it um, with some really nice trees. And in fact, um, Bill Valvanus actually has one of his trees. Uh, oh, interesting. Yeah, a maple. It's grown a little bit bigger. I'm not sure it's still considered Shohin, yeah. but um, it, that's such a cool historic um, um, tree to have in the United States yeah. that Bill has that. Yeah, it's really cool. Interesting. So you, you mentioned if it, calling it Shohin, just for our listeners to really set terms. Okay. So uh, How would we truly classify a Shohin? Well, when you say truly, you almost have to put parentheses <laughs> there because there's, there's a little nuance in that. But currently, um, if you go by the Japan uh, standards, um, it's 8 inches, it's 20 centimeters, which is approximately 8 inches. And that's from the top of the pot to the top of the tree. Um, I believe at one time, some people had it at 15 centimeters. Okay. But... Um, I, I, I kind of suspect that it was economics, that they wanted more trees out there and then trees a little bit bigger to be included, so yeah. they pushed it up to 20 centimeters. And again, it's a guideline, because you could have a side tree, you could have like a seven-tree um, stand display with the, with the box stand, and on the side, you could have a small bunjin pine that's uh, 25 or 30 centimeters and still... Um, have it acceptable to be part of the display. So you, so there are some nuances there. Or a cascade could be can be longer than, than yeah. twenty centimeters. But that twenty centimeters is the current um, standard, I would okay. say. And that's a tree that in a pot would you'd be able to pick up with one hand. Exactly. No exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. So the the count kind of popularized going back to the history. The count yes. So of, he you'd go into uh, the forties into uh, around the time of the World War. Um, and then there was, um, I'm trying to think of who else, this podcast kind of got thrown on at the last minute. <laughs> I wasn't able to do some, some research, but, um, after the world war, obviously when bonsai became popular, started to become popular around the world, uh -huh. um, you know, people brought trees back from Japan, soldiers and their wives and whatever. And then people like, um, uh, you know, John Naka started making it popular. It's the, but Shaheen was still not big in the United States, I don't think. I think it's more in the last 20 years that it's become more uh, popular here um, than, say, in the 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Um, although, you have, to, you have to talk about, when you talk about Shaheen in the United States, you have to talk about Dory Froning. Dory was the woman who... Um, wrote the column on Shohin Bonsai before myself for Bill's Magazine. Um, and she uh, was very instrumental in, in, in putting out information about small bonsai. And of course, Bill Valvana supported all this because he would, he would supply the, the illustrations, the pictures for these articles. Even for mine, a yeah. lot of the pictures Bill took in Japan. So Bill would go to Gafuten, Bill would go to Kokufu, take some pictures of fantastic Shohin, and then if I do an article on maples, he'll put a picture of a fantastic maple in there. So, yeah. you know, he, he is a great supporter of uh, small bonsai. And, uh, yeah. Uh, you mentioned Gafuten. So for our listeners who don't know, Gafuten is, is 
from my understanding, it's like the Kokofu of, of Shoheen. Of it's it's the best Shoheen exhibition in the Correct. world. Correct, correct. Um, and that's every year in January. There are other um, Shoheen uh, uh, exhibitions in Japan, smaller ones, um, that are still interesting. But that is, that's the premiere. That would be like Kokofu 10. Yeah, yeah. So, something that was interesting to me when I was studying with Michael is he, he taught me that Shoheen, yes, it's bonsai, but it's also not bonsai. And, and his reasoning or, or logic behind that statement was, it's kind of like azaleas. Like, they're included in the overall bonsai community, but they're also separate communities. They have their own professionals, their own shows, their I, own I, kind of aesthetics. You don't see a lot of wabi-sabi right. in Shoheen. It's more about flashy, you okay. know, grab your attention. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's a tree. I think I have to sit down with Michael and have a talk with him about <laughs> yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, we should. We should <laughs> because uh, I definitely, um, I'm not a big fan of azaleas, and and I um, uh, Kenji Miyata, who lives in the United States now, uh, uh-huh. actually started coming here to New England bonsai when he first came to the United States, before he got his green card and moved on. And Kenji would say. Azaleas, azalea, not bonsai. Yeah, <laughs> they're yeah. just flowers. Yeah. <laughs> so you know that's kind of, I kind of feel that way a little bit, not not a lot, but um, uh-huh. to to it's it's almost like I feel Michael's denigrating Shoheen. That's why I have to talk to him. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it's <laughs> I don't just, think he is, but <laughs> yeah, I think it was just a distinction. Like the, yeah, there's it's it's in the bonsai. It's a sub. Family. It's a sub. Uh, yeah, it's a yeah, sub category. Yeah. yeah, no, that's that's certainly true. That's certainly true. And uh, like you said, they have their own association, their own exactly. shows, their exactly. own professionals, their own gardens. Exactly. Um, there's there's not a lot of people, like, you don't hear, like, a Shinji Suzuki or a Kimura dabbling in Shoheen. Like, maybe they have no, somewhere No, no, you don't. But That's true. Although the Arushabadas, who, I, they're kind of, or at least a, a senior who, who passed away, was very much into Shoheen. He still did a lot of large bonsai, and they're yeah. kind of noted for that. But they do all kinds of, of bonsai there. And so, I'm sure Taiga does some shohin as well. Yeah, so you did some study with, with Senior. Yeah, that was kind of uh, fell into my lap, and um, I was so grateful and lucky that that happened. So w- what, what occurred was, on, on one of my visits with Bill, um, I met um, a, uh, a tour guide for bonsai um, in Japan. And... Um, we kind of became friends, and uh, so on my second trip with Bill, we did a, a day with him, and he drove us around to some just Shohin nurseries. And that's where I went to the Fukanos and, and, and some of the other nurseries in, in the uh, uh, Tokyo area. And then he called uh, myself um, and another guy about doing a trial... Um, not really apprenticeship, but uh, some some learning experience at Arushabada's nursery. So he was thinking of opening an international school, okay. which he subsequently did. But he wanted to do it as a trial first. Yeah. He wanted to see how is it going to work. So um, uh, Bob and myself uh, went there, a last minute thing. Uh, we agreed to do it. And we spent about two, two and a half weeks there. Okay. Um, and that, and when we were there, we met, um, um, what's his name, uh, from Spain now, uh, Mario, Comsta. Ma- Mario Comsta. I'm sorry, I forgot that Mario and Mario and I became friends 
In fact, when Mario came to the United States uh, a few years later, he stayed at my house with his, um, with his girlfriend. And um, so Mario was able to translate. Um, although Mr. Rushabata did speak a broken English, um, uh, it wasn't great. Yeah. <laughs> so Mario was there. And Mario, Mario, who was Polish, spoke excellent English. I, and now he speaks Spanish. He speaks probably like four languages. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, He's and he, also, he is a fabulous bonsai artist. He's one of my favorite artists. Oh, he, he is just fabulous. And even though he's, he's not exclusively Shohin, yeah. his attention to detail, even when he, like, it's interesting studying at a Shohin kind of focused place. His he brings that real minute attention to detail even yeah. when he works on larger trees and it, it, it yeah. there's just some type of char charm yeah. or something yeah about he's it. someone i would love to have as a neighbor yeah yeah i'd love to hang with him and, and yeah. work with him and study with him um, and if, if you look at his instagram or social media yeah. he's actually developing a lot of shohim too and, and yeah yeah trees, yeah so yeah exciting. and unusual species like he's doing alness yeah, um, and I actually picked up a couple of seedlings. They grow very fast. Yeah, all those so, are um, crazy. You know, there's all kinds of things you can do with with shohin. Shohin is so much fun. That's what I like about it. The variety is unbelievable. Um, getting back to Urushabata, so um, we stayed there. He was incredibly generous because this was a trial for him. He didn't charge us anything. Wow. He fed us. Uh, we stayed at at the compound there. He had a, a like a back room that we um, uh -huh. we slept in, and every day, he um, you know focused on a particular thing. One day might be wiring. One day might be styling junipers. Um, uh, one day we did a, a, a couple of days we did field trips. Okay. So one of the interesting things I learned about Shohin that your readers might be interested in is this, obviously like in all bonsai in Japan, there are different levels of growers. Mm -hmm. So Mr. Arushabata depended on um, what I would call semi-professional hobbyists who develop trees. Um, for instance, growing black pines and colanders. Okay. You know? And then he would pick them out at a certain level and refine them into super nice quality um, Shohin. So we went to different houses of people who were doing this, who he buys from, who he has a relationship with. Um, and I, I was lucky enough to meet, again, the name I can't remember because I didn't have time for research, but the <laughs> gentleman who wrote the article about growing black pines from seed in, in Bonsai Today, okay. you know, the Japanese yeah. man who yeah. made it famous. Yeah. We went to his house and I, oh, I have wow. a picture with him. And he, at the time, again, this is 2006, I believe. He was in his 80s. He was pretty old, so I'm sure he's passed on by now. But he still he still had little pines and in colanders all in his backyard doing that that thing. And yeah. actually, I, I felt when I wrote the history of Shohin Bonsai, I felt that that was kind of a pivotal um, point uh, of development in growing black pines for Shohin, uh, growing them in colanders, the the seedling cutting method, um, you know, that so many people are doing right now. Yeah. But so that was great. That was great to to do that to visit those those places and um, and uh, yeah, that was a real boost to go there. Yeah. yeah. So you were with Urshabata in two thousand six for yeah. about two to three weeks, something yeah. like that. Um, did you ever go back and? I actually did. I went back for one week uh, a few years later by myself, and um, you know life gets in the way. Uh, yeah. I didn't have time after that to continue, but. Um, no, it was it was an experience, uh, kind of of a lifetime. I'll never forget. Yeah, it's great. great. What were what were some things that you saw there that you had not expected or 
revelations on Shaheen, um, stuff that you weren't getting from, you know, the limited research you were able to do beforehand. Yeah, good, good question. Um, I think um, one thing I learned, and I still have notes and drawings from him, when we talked about growing, uh, styling Shoheen, uh Yamadori-style junipers, uh, he always talked about imagination, that it's always about imagination. So when you're looking at raw material, you kind of have to open your mind and think about, you know, what story this little tree is going to tell, what what the jinn's going to do, what the shari is going to do. You know, uh, was it on a cliffside? Was it um, by the water or whatever? And um, so I've, I've, I've definitely, in, you know, digested that in my own working with junipers. Um, that's one thing. And also just the um, the long term, you know. Obviously, we're so impatient in the United States, and I I put myself in that category. But yeah. you know, he had trees out back uh, that that were there for years growing. Um, he he liked to develop gardenias, which can develop pretty fast. But um, you know, he would work on them slowly and make sure they're they're good good high quality trees. Yeah. Um, so I think the care, the care, and the and the time that he put in. Impressed me very much. How many shohin would you guess were in his garden when you studied there? Hundreds, uh, thousands. Oh, uh, I wouldn't say thousands. I would. I mean, you know, he sells a lot of trees um, through the Japan auctions. I still see them on there. Um, Taiga must still do it, but um, I would say the low one thousands. Yeah, there were a lot. There were a lot. I'd say maybe six or seven hundred high quality trees and then another five six hundred you know trees in development um then, and at, at taishawan did they have a, a nice variety of trees or was it mostly oh, yeah. black pines or was it a lot of no deciduous? no no uh, i would say a lot of deciduous to tell you the truth he did have he did definitely had some black pines and white pines but um a lot of maples um you know holly um gumi which is the Eliagnus, um, Silverberry, um, all kinds of, all kind of gardenia, like I said, they, for some reason they grew well there, so he developed those uh, yeah. kind of as a side cottage industry. Um, so yeah, a lot of variety, which was also quite cool. You know, you didn't just work on one, one tree species. Yeah, and you kind of need that, right? Because in a Shoheen display, you you need all different yeah. pot colors, all it's, different It's so challenging. Types, conifer, deciduous, <laughs> broadleaf, evergreen. It's so hard getting, um, and getting, you know, five trees ready in one year, all healthy, all, um, yeah. you know, either in fruit or, 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 or you know, nice looking. Um, so it's a challenge. Yeah. So this year, so I'm already thinking about the um, national show, which is next year, 2023, you really have to plan like two years in advance. You know, yeah, will I repot this tree this year or should I wait a year? Should, you know, and what pot should, will this go in and, and, and all of that. Um, so, yeah, I'm already kind of planning for that. Um, and then who knows what na- Mother Nature will bring and <laughs> yeah. whether they will be ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, uh, how many, to make like your classic, you know, what, seven trees, you know, yeah. five and, and one on the side yeah. or whatever. Uh, your classical box display. How many trees do you think you need in a a, a Shoheen collection to just get a? Oh my five god! So I probably have eighty eighty to a hundred trees. Uh, not all you know at high level, but you probably need fifty to sixty trees that are good to 
to pick the variety. Yeah, yeah. And and that's you know that's um, that's the what I enjoy about Shoheen, um, getting unusual species. Um, I I love one of my side things. I'm Italian American. My my father was born in Italy, and I love fig trees, the ficus carica, and I'm working on growing shoheen fig trees and, and everyone said well the leaves are so big well <laughs> you can defoliate them like we were talking about earlier you know a few times a year and i do that and i have some with the leaves pretty small and i'd love to have one of those in a in a box display and i'm, I'm shooting really for fun. that that would be fun and also a large you don't see shoheen large i have a decent yeah. one that i'm working on as well um for that so that's that's the, the fun the variety of trees yeah. is fun yeah, and even though there's these classical trees that they use in Japan for shohin, like gardenia, yeah, like yeah. maple, like juniper, you know, there's a lot of fun things that we're we're exploring. We were talking about uh, uh, kiwi, you know, hardy kiwi the other day. Oh my god, like, yeah, I I just well that was in a Bill Valvanis article in one oh, was of his it? magazines, <laughs> okay. the hardy kiwi. And what yeah. did I do? I went out and bought three or four of them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm working on those. Uh, yeah, it's a cute, cute uh, bark, cute leaf. Uh, and, you know, if you get fruit, another bonus there. One species I love, but it's kind of a challenge up here, is the dwarf kumquat, the kinzu. Yeah. And I showed you. The, I have a pretty big trunked one that I'm working on. Um, those are fun. Those are great. With the tiny fruit. Yeah, it seems like it's, it's easy to find conifers. You know, we have pines, junipers, hinokis. Yeah. You know, there's there's several conifer options. There's a lot of deciduous options, but the broadleaf evergreens are always yeah. kind of a... yeah. Yeah. seem more limited to, to you don't see showing beach much you don't see yeah. you don't you know, see stuardia even you do, no and um i have a pretty good one but it's still a few years away uh, yeah. it's not ready for a show but yeah you don't see a lot of those and those are fun that's what makes you know that's what makes the displaying of of Shoheen fun you know finding something that no one has seen in the display and you can kind of get away with that yeah with Shoheen, i think yeah, and it's fun, like, I mean, when you're, you're at a bonsai show like Kokufu and you have all these big, impressive trees, you know, each tree gets, like, a six-foot space or whatever, so the fun thing about Shoheen is it takes a lot more trees to fill that six-foot space, so yeah. that's why the box stand is, yeah. is why, that's traditionally, right, why we yeah. display so yeah. many of them together, Yeah, is to fill a nice big space, create variety, yeah. attract attention exactly. to... So at the last national, if anyone remembered, I had a juniper um, in a kind of uh, um, one of those shell stands that I had David Niddle make. It's, it's an unusual one. And um, the tree was not perfectly um, filled out, but it was my kind of homage to Mr. Rushabata because he helped, he helped me pick it out and I bought it when I was there. And, you know, he had just passed away, so I wanted to put that in the show. Um, yeah, neat. And so that, uh, yeah, I felt good about that, doing that as a tribute to him. Yeah. Very fun. Yeah. Um, what, there's, it seems, there, there's a lot of activity and excitement for Shoheen in Japan, and that's very, seems to be very well organized. We do have some Shoheen shows. St. Louis did a Shoheen show for a while. There's a, been a Shoheen convention in California for a while. There's yep. been a Shoheen... Bill, 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 Bill did a Shoheen display yeah. in North Carolina for a year or two. Yeah. But it, it seems like when we go to major shows in the U.S., Shoheen is still kind of at least lacking in the presentation. A lot of people might have them in their I gardens. I think so, but yeah. There's, I would agree. 
So, what, what um, do you think the reason for that is? I actually don't know, to be quite honest with you. When when we came back from Arushabad, as Bob and I were, uh, we we kind of started the American Shohin Bonsai Society, and and then it, for various reasons that kind of fell through. Um, but I would love to maybe do something like that. And you and I spoke, and and you had spoken to Jonas. Um, I'd love to be part of that. You know, maybe we can have a, a small or a national organization and maybe sponsor um, a convention or a exhibition uh, would be great. Or even if it's a, a, a section of another show, but just specifically for show heat. Um, yeah, not, I, th- I think it needs its own thing for I us think so. to advance. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree. Advance the um, excitement. Yeah, yeah. So that would be fun to, to, to do that. And then... I'm almost retired, so I'll have more time shortly. <laughs> what is I, what's the day job right now? Well, I um, just as a quick history, I started out um, selling rare books um, after college, and then I became studied bookbinding. Neither of neither profession uh, generated enough income, <laughs> and I got married young, so uh, neither pro- provided enough income for my family. So. Um, the bookbinding evolved into box making and I started a company with my partner Stuart and we uh, made a portfolio boxes cases for artwork and okay. for galleries and uh, limited edition artwork and that actually was very good for about 30 years and um, we ended up selling the company about uh, nine years ago and I worked for the company that bought it uh, okay yeah it was a bigger company so um, I've, I've been with them nine years and hopefully I'll retire in a year or so. <laughs> oh, congrats. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be glad to do that. Yeah, and then Shoheen full-time. Definitely. I want to get more into more into Mame, which is um, definitely fun, but I think not being home enough to water trees regularly. Yeah. And I'm not really into uh, watering systems at this point. I like hand-watering trees. Yeah. Uh, I don't feel comfortable uh, keeping tiny, tiny trees alive right now. But I, I, that's that's where I'm going to go. Um, when I was in your backyard, I saw something interesting. You had a, a bench that was a real shallow kind of tray filled with sand. Yes. Um, um, and, and we were chatting. That, you, that seemed to help really keep them hydrated throughout yes. the day? Yes. Um, so... It's, it's a metal tray, and it's long. It's about six feet long. It actually belonged to um, uh, this woman, Nancy Mack, who used to be the president of the New Haven Bonsai Society. When she passed away, um, they offered it to me. So um, I used to put crushed gravel in there, but it, it didn't stay moist enough. So now I'm actually putting that, that uh, play sand, you know, the construction sand. Yeah. And... Um, for smaller trees, I actually kind of bury them in there, and the sand stays moist. By the end of the summer, you could, when you pick up the pot, the roots are all in the sand that picks it all up. But it, you know, it keeps yeah. them going, and you can trim the roots if you're going to display it or yeah, or whatever. But yeah, it's, it's a big help for yeah. little trees. Does it seem to add several hours to the, you know, from when it would might, might need to be watered next? Yeah. So I'm at the point. With, with the soil that I've, I'm using now um, and with that and some shade cloth in some areas that I can get away in the middle of summer with you know morning watering and, and, and they'll be okay till I get home around okay. 5.30 um, 
and so as you can imagine I never go out yeah <laughs> my yeah. wife helps out when I'm not there but uh, yeah. but, but they're my responsibility it's, it's tough enough when you have bonsai in general <laughs> yeah <laughs> but having little alive. trees it, it, it becomes challenging yeah you, the margin for error is much less I oh mean, god it, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's probably the biggest thing you might not need water Right. As, you know, that much more frequently. Right, right. But if, if they get dry, then right. it's more damaged more quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, other than watering, what are other challenges that you've, you've faced with? Well, I think right now what's on, uh, you being here in, in April, uh, in May, early May, it feels like April. New England is tough in the spring, you yeah. know. So, you know, my trees are either in the greenhouse or the garage. And, you know, I start bringing them out. And they're used to being above freezing in the greenhouse all winter. And then the sun is higher in the spring. And, and, you know, they're ready to go out. They're all budding out and repotting. And you put them out, and then we have this super cold weather for a week. Yeah. And uh, if we have a frost, I have to bring them in. But without a frost, it's still, you know, low 40s, windy. And they all, they all sulk. And they don't really start growing until uh, later in May. So it's a challenge because yeah, I can lose some trees, um, small, small trees that have just repotted. If I don't bring them in, if there's a frost or I think there's not going to be a frost and there was a frost, you know, it can kill off buds. Um, I will bring in all of the higher quality, expensive trees, but, you know, some of the little ones that I'm just, you know, cultivating, just starting out, I, I may leave them out uh, and I might lose a few of those. But that, so that's probably the other big challenge and then just aesthetically just trying um and you talked about this in your demo uh, um you know with a shoheen you have to have branches that are really low you have to really work at a keeping the tree healthy and vibrant and at the same time keeping it small um so uh, good watering good fertilization good sunshine um, and all of those things and good trimming at the right time um are all critical you know, to maximize uh, the beauty and the health of the trees. So that, that's the other challenge. Um, yeah, that was a tip I learned from Daisaku Nomoto, uh, that the, if, if your first branch is higher than one inch from the soil line, you're going to have yeah. a lot of trouble having density of having, a small, having a small tree. Yeah, for sure. Small plant. For sure. Um, we're trying to shrink so much density down to you know eight inches or less it's that, um, it's a lot to pack into a small sure, space sure it's a good segue i i met him at boone's uh, a couple of times um at boone's show i used to go out with john kirby occasionally to the to the the bay island bonsai show which was a great was a great show and um with my friendship with daisaku and with uh, tomohiro in japan i was able to apply for their um certification for bonsai teachers which they opened up internationally last year oh wow and um and i was accepted so i i am a certified shohin bonsai um teacher congratulations yes thank you i I was very excited about that and you've been teaching shohin for a while right you you, like you've mentioned you've been doing the the column in the international bonsai magazine but i usually do uh, a class or two every year here at new england bonsai okay um and people come to my house um I, I like that too. With yeah. COVID, I didn't go out as much, but people yeah, could sure. come to the house. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, and speaking of things you've been doing, you, you've also tw- about twenty years ago founded the Kaiko School of Bonsai. Oh yeah, sure, sure. Tell so us that, about that. Uh, Kaiko School of Bonsai is kind of uh, an in, 
kind of an intensive introduction to bonsai. Uh, it's a two-year program. We meet four times a year, uh, four full days throughout the year uh, for two years. And we just go uh, intensely into the um, important aspects of bonsai. Uh, I don't like to take a raw beginner. I like to do have someone with a little bit of experience. But, um, you know, we'll do the first class will be just on repotting and teaching about soil. And I'll send them uh, Boone's old video on repotting, which is very good. Um, and I'll, uh, we'll talk about soil ingredients, we'll talk about proper repotting techniques, etc. Then we'll do a class on styling, we'll do a class on wiring. Um, still, even two years doesn't seem like enough time. But, um, yeah. but some, of the, some of my students, uh, like Michael, who you know, um, mm -hmm. Michael Woods, um, I, I tell Michael, someday you're going to surpass me. <laughs> and it's great. I love, I love having students that, that go on. So in, in our Boone study group, there are two guys that were in Kaiku, uh, Mauro Danelli, Amo, and uh, Michael Woods, um, who were in the school. So that's oh, that's great. I'm proud of them. Proud of those guys. They've been really good. Fine. So um, yeah, I've been doing that about thirteen years, and been over a hundred people that have gone through through the school. The class the class size is small. We don't want to make it too big. Yeah, that's a great resource if you're in the kind of greater Boston, Rhode yeah. Island area. That's a it's a real great source yep. for getting your feet wet in bonsai. It's yeah, been fun to be here this weekend thank, and thanks for, dive into that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so happy you got you were able to come. It was nice having you. Yeah. So back back to Shoheen. Um, what do you want to see more of? I mean, we talked about more organization to it, but, uh, you know, what, what would your hopes be for, you know, Shoheen moving forward in the U.S.? Um, yeah, I definitely, I mean, primarily would like to see a national organization and maybe... Um, an exhibition, whether it's every other year or every year, it doesn't matter. I know they have, you know, the California one. I'm not sure Bill's going to continue the other one, but, you know, um, it would be great to have, like you said, a focus on Shoheen um, somewhere. It's, it would be a great opportunity if anyone was in Japan and came back and said, I'm going to be the Shoheen guy. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And you mentioned uh, um, the, the, the fellow in California. Yeah, uh, Adam, uh, I'm blanking on his last name, but he's a, uh, he's doing an apprenticeship he's with, with Taiga. Taiga Arushabai. Right yeah, well, that's great. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to get his address and talk to him. Um, but, but yeah, that, so, so having an organization and an uh, exhibition would be awesome. And I think just education... Um, might be good to have a, a a really good book written on just Shoheen bonsai um, for the United States and some of the native species, but that could be used. Um, yeah, speaking of natives, uh, something that I haven't mentioned yet, but Scott Elser in Portland is is doing this fun native Shoheen project. He's starting seriously. To, yeah, yeah, he's he's putting together you know little redwoods, little Rocky Mountain junipers, oh, that's so cool. and ponderosas. And kind of doing a native species kind oh, of exploration great. and showing that's so great. It's, it's been that's kind of great. fun to watch his process. He's he's getting little alders. He's getting oh, that's little nice. blueberries. Tons of fun, fun stuff yeah, going. Yeah, so. I can see blueberries. I think I'm just doing the larches. I'm trying. Oh, and I have you seen saw my, I have an eastern white pine clump, but it's a little bit bigger than Shoheen. But yeah. um, they, I, they're difficult. I know the bittersweet grows all over here. Yes, is, is that native or is that? Invasive. Uh, that's invasive. Okay. There, there is both a Oriental bittersweet, which is from Asia, the one they use in Japan, and there's an American bittersweet. The um, Oriental bittersweet is 
better for bonsai uh, size wise, leaf size wise, and and fruiting wise. Um, so yeah, that's another. There are a lot of native like. Um, the Virginia creeper, which is also invasive. I, 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 I laugh with my students. I tell them some of the best shohin bonsai are invasive species. It's like, you know, Virginia creeper, bittersweet, akibia. There's all, all these, you know, crazy weird little things that honeysuckle, nobody yeah. wants to sell, nobody can sell, yeah. but they, make, they can make great shohin bonsai. Um, you know, you don't have to have... Uh, expensive taste. You will later as you develop in the hobby, but yeah. you don't have to. You can start with with humble material. And um, actually, some some of the, f- the the most fun projects of mine are just you know starting a maple from a, a seedling and uh-huh. developing a nice shohin. And, you know, it takes you five or ten years, but it's just this this pride in that that you can you can do that. Um, yeah. So. That's a heck of a lot less time than developing a large tree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. <laughs> that's true. That's true, for sure. What's one of the best, if, if you were propagating, uh, do they do a lot of shohin from air layers? Is it mostly cuttings? Is it nursery stock? What's, what's like a good way to start I think, a shohin um, it, To develop a mature tree, air layering is a very, very good method um, for various reasons. One, you can get a, a bigger trunk faster. Two, you can develop a better nabari faster. Um, that way uh, so I think ear layering is a very good uh, best technique to develop a mature uh, but with um, with you know I still do cuttings because some species grow fast and you can you can do cuttings collecting whether it's uh, urban collecting um, potentillas make really nice little trees oh, neat. And um, they're all over the place. Uh, you can get them at garden centers. Um, I like potentillas a lot. Um, you can get. Uh, sometimes I've actually bought got bought garden uh, plants like a, a maple that's gonna go in the ground just yeah. because of a, the top was really nice. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm gonna ear layer it because ah oh, look at that that's perfect. Yeah, I I bought bonsai at auctions before. <laughs> and, you know. Half the branches are dead or something, but there's like yeah. a nice little shohin right at the top to air layer off. So yeah, it's... and you know, getting back, I mentioned um, in Japan the, the kind of um, hierarchy of growers, and and the shohin professionals rely on these serious hobbyists. There are people, um, even in the United States, who are very good. We have a local guy who grows um, Chinese elms from root cuttings and cuttings. He does a very good job, and I've gotten a few from him that I've developed later on. Um, you know, if there's more people like that around who, who like to, to develop trees uh, yeah. from the ground up, whether it's cuttings or air layers or whatever, and are willing to sell or trade at club shows, that's a good resource to get material for, for sure. Yeah. yeah, one of the best people I know is Shannon that we, we talked oh, about. Oh, Shannon's my buddy. I just, he's a, <laughs> he's a rock star now. I just saw him on, uh, um, on ICN's uh, YouTube um, Seriously, though, he's probably the premier shohin grower in the country. He lives in a good climate, um, although he gets cold weather down there, too. Yeah. I was talking to him. Uh, uh, actually, we were talking on the phone a couple of weeks ago and um, talking about the cold weather he's going through. But, yeah, he's great. He's great. I'd recommend, uh, you know, touching base with him and buying stuff from him. Yeah, he not only has a real high-level collection, but he's, yeah. he's doing a lot of propagating yeah. and developing as well. He yes, had a great great is... booth at the National Show. Yes, I he did. A few... I bought a few things from him. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm excited to see what Other than that, I don't know. Uh, we have Mark, Mark Comstock grows, does the seedling black pine mm-hmm. uh, um, technique, and, and he's doing thousands of those, uh, and that's a great resource. You know, we need more people like that. Yeah. And we need someone who could grow, uh, you know, develop maple stock for Shoheen. Yeah. Uh, which would a difficult um, species. Maples, maples are tricky for Shoheen. Very tricky found. for Shoheen. But I love them. Yeah. <laughs> So it's a good challenge. Um, how, how important do you think the genetics are? You know, do, do we really need plants that have small leaves, or is the the culture of it being just in a small pot and keeping it small and trimming it back really tight? Is that enough to get small leaves, or is genetics is that really essential? I don't think it's super essential. I mean, you know, going back to maples, uh, you know, shishigashera, kitohime, there are varieties that have very small leaves and make nice shoheen but you can really make nice japanese maple shoheen and develop small leaves over time with some of the techniques you talked about and um, um, and just growing them in small pots over a long period of time they will they will uh, reduce in size yeah. how, how often are you i mean i know it's it depends right but how often are you are you repotting shoheen every year or how, how long can it's they go on a pot? It's species-specific, um, not every year. Um, like with older showing black pines, I still will go to sometimes even three years if I don't want them to slow down because, you know, the trees are going to slow down. Yeah. They're going to kind of, you know, complain. <laughs> They're going <laughs> to complain that spring when you, when you root prune and repot them. So I try not to, but there are certain species you have to do every year. Facithia. I like Facithia uh, showing <laughs> They just go crazy. The roots go nuts, and you have to do those every year. Um, what else? There's another species I do every year. But there are a few that I have to do every year. The other thing is, um, I think it's very important not to always keep them in tiny, um, you know, show pots or high-quality pots. You, you saw in my yard, I, I use a lot of the Japanese grow pots. The, like uh, the high-fire yeah, training pots? Yeah, yeah. and in like New England, they don't crack. Yeah, yeah, the terracotta shallow um, training pots um, I use the especially number four and a half up to five and a half are, are good sizes for showing and it, it gives them a little breathing room and then if you know the next year you want to put it in the show then you can repot it into a small a, a nice pot at that point yeah but um, that's I a good would, strategy I would say most of my trees are in grow pots okay yeah yeah, that's that's a really good strategy for keeping them happy. Yeah, because yeah, we do put them in real small. <laughs> yeah, I mean they look great. We all want to, but then you think, yeah. oh god, this guy's struggling this year. Yeah, <laughs> and we're struggling to water it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, for sure, for sure. Interesting. What under? What are some unusual species for showing that you're you're liking these days? You mentioned larch, which not a lot of you don't see hardly. You don't see a lot of showing larch, um, I, and I know uh, we have Chris Springer, who's a, a big collector up here, and I've got a few um, small larch, um, and I think they can they can make nice showing. The the key is with larch, mostly bog grown larches, the foliage is way up. Yeah. Um, Luckily, I found that he had a couple that have foliage down low. And the other thing you want is with, with, to make it look old is to have some craggy bark and flaky bark. And larches take about 20 years to get flaky bark. So yeah. 
it's tough, uh, but but definitely doable. Um, and and they take thread grafting easily, so you could have a nice trunk with nothing down low, but develop it later uh, yeah. because they do grow fast. It's another species that the roots grow pretty fast. Um, I mentioned the ficus carica, the fig, um, and I do like unusual species like Achebea, um Well, persimmon. I have persimmon. I don't know how unusual that is. Um, the the kiwi, the hardy kiwi, is a new one. Yeah. Um, I am kind of always looking for something unusual. For sure. I I started playing in the last couple of years with shoheen birch, just European white birch. You know, seedlings yeah. that pop up in the neighborhood, and they make great shoheen. The leaves are real small. They I get nice bark. I have not tried that. I have to try that. I've never seen one in Japan or no anything like no, that's that. True. But they're. They're, they're they're responding really well. It's good. Surprising to see. Is there someone here doing it? Or? No, it's, you start in Europe. Uh, I start. I found them on the west coast. Oh, and, okay. And uh, okay. yeah, they've been a lot of fun to play with. Good. Over the years. Good. Um, even little willows. You know, oftentimes you know, especially I have a few friends' homes that I shop for for bonsai and. Uh, oftentimes, if they get a weed like a a willow or a birch growing yeah. in one of the pots, they just You're start stuck. pruning it <laughs> rather than pull it out. It'll be in a, a pot with a larger bonsai. Yeah. They'll just start trimming yeah. it. I'm like, wow, that's a great little tree. Can I? I <laughs> see always that uh, love seeing unusual species um, at the national. The last national, um, my my other friend Mark Arpag had a um, a small balsam fir. Um, presentation that was really nice it was kind of had some other accents in it and um david niddle is, is and kathy uh, uh collect some balsam furs up in vermont yeah and um I, i don't have one yet but uh it's on my list you hear me david you gotta find me a nice little one <laughs> yeah. and we we owe david so much because he's supplying a lot of us with nice box stands oh david's too, the man i love david good boy. guy too more yeah, importantly he, a really good guy yeah He's he's he does fantastic shoheen stand yeah. work. I mean, yeah. all, all of his stands are amazing, yeah. but it takes a special kind of skill set to make a shoheen stand. For sure, he, he just crushes it. Which is for sure, which is fun. But uh, yeah, and, and final thoughts on shoheen. What? So we need an organization. I think we so. probably need some more shows. It's you know it's actually nice the U.S. National Show in Rochester actually has quite a few yeah. displays you know compared yeah. to other shows around the country i think so yeah and that's that's nice to see yeah mel goldstein has some awesome yeah, show mel. john kirby's uh, got some great john ones. kirby I, I you know i i mentioned we meet at john's house for boone's workshop and um i'm always looking through his to see what new <laughs> acquisitions he has yeah he has a killer um Uh, Gumi that I love uh, and he's got a couple of gorgeous uh, maples a couple of tridents a couple of Japanese maples yeah he's he's got a really nice showing collection I have to say John John's a good guy too yeah Well, we need to get some going on the West Coast. We're yeah. we're, we're we're lacking showing out on my <laughs> way. So that's surprising to me, tell you the truth, but um yeah, if I can help at all, even if it's just remotely, um uh, I'll support you guys. Thanks. Well, it's, it's been fun chatting, John. Thanks. Uh, it's been a fun episode on the Bonsai Wire podcast. Uh, have a great night, everybody. Appreciate it. Bye. Oh, thanks. The music on today's podcast was brought to you by the fine folks at Blue Dot Sessions. Check them out at www.sessions.blue.